how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Seaberg is inspired by true events about the French New Wave darling and breathless star Jean Seaberg, played by Kristen Stewart. In the late 1960s, she was targeted by the FBI because of her support of the civil rights movement and romantic involvement with Hakeem Jamal, played by Anthony Mackie. In Benedict Andrews' Norrish thriller, Seaberg's life and career are destroyed by Hoover's overreaching surveillance and harassment in an effort to suppress and discredit her activism. In this interview, the director discusses the importance of defending your time to work, his transition from live theater to evergreen filmmaking, why you make a film three times, and how wonderfully difficult it is to bring ideas to the screen. I spent most of my adult life working as a, as a theater and then latterly an opera director. Um, I started doing that in Australia and um, then over the last 10, 10 or so years, I've also worked extensively in, in, in Europe. Um, a couple of productions of mine have come to, to the United States, production that I did with of The Maids by Jean Genet with Kate Blanchett and Isabella Pair and Elizabeth Spicky came to the Lincoln Center Festival and the production I did of Streetcar Named Desire came to uh, St. Anne's Warehouse here with Gillian Anderson and Ben Foster in it. Um, both those, one of those productions originated in Sydney and one in London and they, they, they both came here. So, you know, I, I've had, I had a wonderful, um, rich, varied life as a theatre and opera director. And during that time, I, you know, I'd all, I had people asking me for so many years, like when I was going to make a movie and I was always kind of deeply in love with cinema and feeling that it was, um, as great an influence on my theatre making as as Stanislavski or Chekhov or Samuel Beckett. The, 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 the cinema that I loved and the idea of a search for human uh, emotional truth 
and intimacy and that I was looking for on the on the stage was you know as much influenced by by great great filmmaking and I'd always been a been a been a lover of cinema but I kept just being busy with theatre projects and I never I never I still had a lot of work to 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 do there and I kept sort of not not carving out the time to 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 be available to to concentrate on making movies. So in around 2014, I decided that I would do that and I adjusted my theatre schedule in order to make the, the movie Una, which came from the astonishing fact Blackbird by David Harrow, which I directed 10 years earlier in, in, in Berlin. And I worked with with David on on adapting the play Blackbird to become Una, and that was my first movie with with um, Rooney Mara and Ben Mendelsohn and Riz Ahmed in it. And yeah, through doing that, I I learned that I could find the the connection between my work as a theatre director and and the, you know the the possibilities of 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 of, of, of cinema that that that. It was, it was immensely gratifying to discover that it could draw on the same muscles and the same kind of well inside myself. And yeah, that now I'm, I, I between Una and 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 Seberg, I did a handful of opera productions and staged Cat on a Hot Tin Roof in in London with Jack O'Connell, who's in Seberg, and with 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 Fiona Miller and with um, Coromini and. You know, did various other other projects, but um, but um, now I'm trying to find this delicate balance between still finding theatre work and and the the different schedules of filmmaking. Um, were there any unexpected surprises or any advice you wish you had before that first film? Well, funny, like one of the classic pieces of advice that you make the film three times. You know, once in the, in the script and your preparation, once in the shoot and once in the edit. I remember with with Una going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, I, I'm sure that's the case, but we we just have a great script here, <laughs> and just realizing how you know fundamental that truth is, and just how generative the edit process is. Like, what a what a it reminds me of the theatre rehearsal room still, or the or the or the the writing stage of a of a project, you're you're not just assembling what you've got. It's a it's a it's a search and a and a and a creative process. And just the the, the way each of those three phases are so kind of utterly distinct adventures in themselves, and how that speaks to the kind of beat that that the movie is, and how you have to how you have to how you have to learn to listen to the movie. Across the the kind of crazy intensity of preparation, or, or if you like, across the across the, the 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 deep search and introspection and 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 crafting and carving away um, the mechanics of the screenwriting process through then the, the insanity of pre-production and the wild the wild dream of the shoot that is as as close as I've come to feeling this sense of like living in a in a in a dream where your whole existence is involved in in in, in chasing down this thing and capturing it. 
and then this time of time of the 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 edit, which is meditative um, and um, a real search to to distill and and find the story. That, but just yeah, I'd been told it. I didn't really believe it, and oh boy, oh boy, did I learn it on <laughs> on both movies. And yeah, that just that that sense of 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 needing to listen to the movie and I think realizing with each thing that you begin just how wonderfully difficult it is to bring something living to the screen. Are you focused more on uh, as far as filmmaking, like creating something evergreen, like knowing that people can watch it forever? Like how is that different from just building to the best live performance you can? I mean, it's a really good question because I don't, I don't think you can think about it while you're doing it because you go fucking insane, right? Like you just, you're just on each step of the way trying to chase that thing down. But your question speaks to the, to a kind of really fundamental difference between the two forms. Um, like an essential, um, yeah, an existential difference. So that theatre, with its roots in in ritual and its roots in the the birth of democracy in the ancient Greek cities, theatre is a thing that um, has to be born again each night. So a play like Shakespeare's Julius Caesar takes the, the story of Julius Caesar and in, in Elizabethan London recreates those, you know, finds a, Shakespeare writes a play that will bring them back to life, that will resurrect those stories fresh. And now hundreds of years later, the actor kind of goes into the body of that character and has to bring it back to life. But they also have to do that each night. They're not just going to do it once. They have to go through the rehearsal period in order to get inside their their bodies and their muscles and nerves the ability to bring that thing back living as if for the first time night after night. So this this speaks to you know a new play has to do the same thing or if you're if you're redoing Wedding Pagotto sixty years later you want it to come back as if for the first time with the same living force of theatre that that it had at its its, its first performance. So the sense of mm, exorcism and of coming back to life is 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 part of the theatre. The theatre is kind of a ghost that has to come, that gets brought back to life in the shared air between the viewers and the stage. And for me, that the that this comes back to its roots in ritual, where in the theatre, and again, it's a very difficult thing when this happens. But when it does happen, there's nothing else like it, where that that air trembles. And the audience feel like they're living this myth again for the for the first time with a with a person living and dying and breathing in front of us on the stage, and literally that performance will never be the same twice. Not just because it will will change night by night, but literally the next night that perform that that actor is maybe speaking the same lines and doing the same gestures, but they're they're one day older and the world is one day older. Um, whereas you know, as 
as Tarkovsky reflects on in his idea of sculpting time, the, the celluloid camera or the, 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 the digital sensor captures on film within, within a frame uh, a living moment that then becomes immortal. That, 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 that moment of the living world or of a close-up of, 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 of an actor is that, that instant of time is, 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 is captured and then can, can be sculpted and becomes immortal in a, in a different way. It lives, it, it exists to kind of come back to life through its viewing, but it's this uh, uh, captured moment of time. But then the act of cinema is to then um, construct through 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 editing and slicing up time a, a, a storytelling from that living moment of time. And I think the other fundamental difference too is that idea of being able to incorporate the world. So in theatre, the world I think comes through that shared experience and through through language, and the world is created through utterance. Whereas the uh, camera can becomes a kind of invisible witness to to the character, but also to the way as, as a kind of angelic eye moving through the world, moving through history. So let's talk about the the world of uh, Seaberg. You've kind of got the same responsibility of reviving this this real life person as a character. What kind of attracted you to this like very multifaceted story? I think interestingly, one of the I think once I got over just this first initial hook that the script took upon me through um, through really its revelations about Jean's life and its revelations about how the intersection of these different the world of the FBI, the world of the Black Panthers, and the world the world of the Hollywood was uh, extremely fascinating on the page, and the way that that it lent into the to, to surveillance thriller on the page was also really exciting. But I think once that, that initial kind of hook had happened, I started to develop a deep fascination with how the movie is about, um, well, through the breakdown of an actress, it becomes about private space and the the unique private space of the actor whose job it is to to expose that. They have to go go on stage or go in front of the camera and reveal things that, that in normal life we are taught to keep hidden and that we need to keep hidden to go on with our lives. The, the actor has to reveal those other selves and expose their raw nerves and speculate upon the go inside themselves to speculate on the possibilities of being human and expose that in front of other people. And it fascinated me in the story how the same equipment that is used to, to make cinema cameras and, and microphones and the study of minutiae of life is turned against Gene and weaponizes this same private space and this same vulnerability, in fact, that she that she needs and that you see in her performances. It turns that against her and turns it against her in part of a kind of broader, broader war, political war, and a broader, dirty political war against, against change and against liberation, and 
that is used to destroy her sense of truth. And this, this became very fascinating to me. And I, I loved how the story, how the writers, Anna and Joe, had already chosen to not just look solely at Jean and not do a kind of conventional, you know, fill in all the fill in all the aspects of the life biopic about her, but had chosen to kind of really limit limit the period of her life that the movie looks at, but also to show up from, from two sides to look at the watcher as well in, in the FBI agent Jack and to go into to the dilemma of surveillance and the dilemma of voyeurism, which is also so much a part of, 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 of cinema through through Jack and maybe on some fundamental level too that touches on, you know, in, in my theatre work I've had the great pleasure to spend most of my life in a, in a in a room with actors and to sort of admire their bravery and their their, their vulnerability but there's also a kind of a, a kind of natural danger of, of the director in a way is this this professional voyeurism you know I invite I have to sit there watching people be be vulnerable and <laughs> expose themselves in order to invite other people to come and do that um, and it's interesting how the the the, the the film digs into that, uh, to that, to the ethics of that, and into the to the politics of that as well. And that is our show. Thanks again for tuning in. If it's your first time, make sure to hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud or iTunes. Also, check out the new video essay series on YouTube called Creative Principles, and give us a review. That's one of the best ways to help share these interviews. Thanks again.